Tea with NSP podcast. Hi, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Tea with NSP. Opportunity and inclusivity is at the heart of National Student Pride. We are so thrilled by the support we've been shown by our 2021 sponsors, who ensure that our amazing digital festival in April and this podcast can happen. Enterprise Rent-A-Car are long-standing friends and supporters of NSP, a glorious eight years and counting. Their commitment to diversity and inclusion across the board never wavers. In fact, next Monday, the 8th of March, they are hosting an amazing event about breaking barriers as a part of International Women's Day. Check out at ERAC underscore jobs on Twitter to see the pinned tweet for further details. This week, David and I sit down to talk to the beautiful activist Charlie Craigs. Here to talk about transphobia within society, her experience growing up at fashion college, and body image. Stick around to the end to find out which queer icons are with us next week. Now, let's get into the good bit, shall we? Hi guys, and welcome to the Tea with NSP. Uh, with me, David, who works on a social media team, and... Morgan, I'm co-chair, third year at King's. So. And this week we have the amazing, wonderful activist, writer... How many other things are you going to have in your CV? Charlie Craggs. Hi! <laughs> So, um, I guess the first question is always a really terrible question, but like, how has the last 12 months been? I just like to check in on people, make sure they're all right after the last 12 months. I'm probably the most all right person you've met, to be honest. I am such a loser. Like, honestly, my life has hardly changed. And that sounds, and I've kind of realized how bad that is. Like, I was in counseling, I had my little counseling uh, phone call the other day, and I kind of said to them, I was like, do you know what? I realized, like, I've got a problem because I'm coping with this way too well. Like I could literally do another year of this easy peasy and not feel like I need to, I just, I don't even go for like a daily walk. I'm good. Like I can stay in my house. Like honestly, like I'm so pissed that Big Brother's not a thing anymore because I'd be so good at it. Like they, you know, they go a bit crazy after like two, three weeks. I'm like, I could stay in a house for like two years and I'd be fine. Mm. See, I was fine the first time. This time I'm finding it harder. Like I'm very close to Vanessa Phelps writing desperation on the wall. You remember? And, yeah, when she like wrote on the chalk thing or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that's me right now. I'm just like I've had I've had enough of, of staying in. Because I've been working from home for like twelve months now. And it's usually I I need to like vibe off somebody and chat to somebody. Hence why I'm doing podcasts. Um <laughs> I was working from home before anyway, so I think that's probably why I'm so I'm like a homebody. And even if I wasn't working from home, I like I think it's kind of to do with trauma, but I'm just like yeah. someone who's like likes to be like safe and indoors and like I don't know, I'm just a bit of a yeah, a bit of a recluse to be honest. Even yeah. at uni, I think the only time I ever went out was like to go to a bar in the evening, maybe once a month, and then the rest of the time I go to uni, come home, and stay in my room. So That's once a month, once a month more than me, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the whole point of the podcast. Um, that Morgan will eloquently introduce before all this, so it'll be nice, is, is to talk about you growing up, what it was like. So, 16 years old, Charlie. Yeah. What were you like? What kind of kid were you? What was school like? It's weird. I was going to say I was exactly the same, but really I wasn't even close to exactly the same. Like, there's parts of me that were the same, but parts of me that were so different. And obviously this isn't just about, like, trans, trans stuff, but I just mean, because the person, under- I think what people need to understand, first of all, is that the person underneath 
the transition is the exact same person. It's, your soul doesn't transition or your like personality doesn't transition. But having said that, it kind of did in the sense that in at 16, I was in school. I was in an all boys school. I grew up in London. I'm f- uh, from Labrick Grove and I was in school and I was, it was a, it was a bit of a, it wasn't like a bad, bad school, but it was like a tough school. Like it was a, it was a rough, tough school. Um, and I was like bullied really, really badly. And I was a victim. Like I didn't argue back. Like I didn't stand up for myself. And like having said that, while personality doesn't change when we transition, I don't it mine kind of did in the sense that like I just refused to be a victim anymore once I transitioned because I was made to be much more of a victim once I transitioned like the first few years of transition were really hard and I just was Mm -hmm. like no I'm not not doing this anymore like I always always without fail stand up for myself if someone does me wrong or says something wrong even if someone looks at me the wrong way I'm gonna say something I'm not gonna be I refuse to be that 16 year old again so yeah I guess I I was gonna say I haven't changed at all but really I probably (laughs) probably changed a lot (laughs) What was it like being in an old boys school? Because that's, I think I've dreamt to that as a 16 year old, probably of being in an old boys school, but I imagine it was quite different. <laughs> was you not in an old boys school? No, no, no. I was, I, I was in a Catholic school. I was in a Catholic school, a Catholic <laughs> old boys school. Imagine how hard that was being a trans girl in a Catholic school festival, but also an all boys Catholic school. Where I was literally like, and I was like the only out person pretty much. I don't think, like, there was people who were kind of like, quite like people had a, like you know they get called like names as well but they weren't out so it was less harsh mm-hmm. on them whereas I was like the only one that people could like um and it's not even like I was it, it was literally when I tell you it's not even an exaggeration like the whole school hated me and was allowed to hate me and they got away with it because it was a catholic school a lot of the teachers were homophobic and transphobic so like there wasn't like any um like policing of it so like literally I remember being in like sixth form like in I was at 18 or how old are you in yeah I would have been leaving at 18 so I was 18 and I remember like like little 11 year old year sevens whose like backpacks are like bigger than their body you know like their little like turtles they were like batty boy batty boy like shouting at me and I'm like the heart like because everyone else got away with it they were getting like so the whole school like because I was the only one pretty much out like they were just I was just the one they all beat and like it was it was hot it was I was going to say horrible, but that doesn't even do it justice. There's not a word that can do justice to what I, mm. but most LGBT people go through at school. It's, it's disgraceful. And it's like, you just think as well, like, I just don't understand how it's allowed because it's, it is a hate crime. And it's like, and even like people will be like, well, they're just kids and stuff. Well, babe, I was 18. Like, you wouldn't call an 18 year old a child. Like 18 year olds who are like um, bullying people to, to an inch of their life. Or even aside from take the word bullying out, because that again kind of has connotations of like child childishness. It's much more than just like a bully, like a ha ha, like gay. It was like people literally like coming in my face every day, like looking for fights and stuff because I was LGBT. It's like, how is this allowed? Like, and it's like, I didn't go to school even that long ago. That was like less than 10 years ago. So like, it, it, and it's in London as well. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, London's such a progressive place and people think that this next generation are, oh, you know, like middle-aged people are like, oh, they're just, you know, they just don't care about sexuality and gender. They fucking do. Like even now, like 10 years on from that, the abuse I get in the street mostly is from boys of that age still. Like, so like people who are like in that kind of college or like school age, like 15, 14, 16, 17, like shouting at me in the street or like whatever, that's the demographic I get most abuse from. So it really pisses me off this kind of narrative that, like school age uh, people like 16 around that age are like so progressive and mm. they're not they're really not I mean I I've always seen London as such a progressive place but at the same time I think it is very specific areas of London I think there's like little pockets of London that yeah okay fine whatever but the rest of it I still think is blank slate like absolutely not most of it yeah okay I think it's the more central you get the safer it gets kind of thing 
Yeah, but you even still hear of like loads of attacks happening. A lot of like the big, most prolific mm. LGBT attacks have happened in central London around like Soho, where like people know that LGBT people are there and like people who are LGBT feel more comfortable there. So like they're more of a target because they're more visible, like holding hands or whatever. Mm. You hear of like that man who was like killed in Trafalgar Square, like the gay guy, like things like that. Like you just, it's, I don't know. I just, I think as someone who grew up in London, I'm just very like, I, I don't see the same charm in London as I think a lot of people who move here from places where it's not as yeah. friendly. Like I kind of see it in a very different way because I'm like, well, I grew up here my whole life and I've always been treated like shit. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. sort of had the opposite thing of when I moved to, so I'm from Glasgow originally. And um, it's a weird thing because like no one really kind of gave a shit that you were gay, but they more gave a shit if you supported Celtic or Rangers. Um, and that was, <laughs> And uh, but honestly, like, it was it, it was sort of there, but no one really cared about it. I remember people used to call me um, a poof. That's that's me showing my age because that was the go-to. Uh, and so um, people call me a poof. And then I came out when I was fourteen, and a guy, you know, um, usual straight guy, you know, kind of bully type, came over and was like, "I'm really sorry, but like, I didn't mean to call you a poof. I thought you weren't one, but now you are. I do apologise for calling you." Wow, fucking hell! And I was yeah. like, Wish I grew up in Glasgow. <laughs> Um, but it wasn't easy, like, because I was a fact and gay kid, so I got both. But, like, moving down here, I remember someone saying to me, I wish to work in Marks and Spencer's in Clapham Junction, and a guy said to me, he's like, you're a nice enough guy that I would walk by you in the street because I know you're gay. And I was like, what, like, now? And he's like, oh, yeah, if I see you outside, like, do not ever talk to me. He's like, I don't agree with that lifestyle. Don't, don't get involved in it. And I was like, oh. The audacity of this man. Yeah. yeah. Like, who did he think he was? Like Beyonce, like that? You're going to want to fuck <laughs> Don't to talk to me. Fuck off, mate. Fuck all the way off. Who do you think you are? You're like, oh, I don't agree with your lifestyle. You're not God. No one asked you if you agree, sweetheart. I don't agree with your lifestyle. I don't agree with your haircut. Fuck off. I, th- I didn't as well. As I yeah. Jeez, it just shocks me. The, the, oh, my God. It, it was so weird because like, I've never had genuine like homophobia. The, the, the first time I was like, oh, Oh wow! Okay, I was like, I was quite shocked that I had to stop. So, like, I think when we have like these traumatic things happen to us, we always have like an outlet. So, like, yeah. what was your outlet during like your school years? I didn't have one to be honest, and that's probably why I'm still affected today. Like, let's be honest, I could just lie and be like, oh, I liked art, and I did like art and the stuff, and I'm still I do like art today, but like, it, I didn't have enough of an outlet, and I really am still affected today. Like, even on a much smaller scale, like on my stories last night, I talked about because I was doing um, it's HIV testing week, and I did um, the finger prick test, and I was like burping while I was doing it, and then after I explained like when I'm stressed, I burp like almost literally the second I have a stressful thought, I burp, and I traced it back, and I was like, it's ever since school like for some reason in school I was about 16 and all of a sudden I would just burp all the time and I felt disgusting I was like I, I especially as a feminine person I was pre-transitioned but I don't want to burp like and um someone I had loads of people say I do this as well I do this and then someone messaged me and there's a name for it. it's like aphagy I don't know it's, it begins with an a and it's to do with like um when you're stressed you swallow more air like you have shallow breath so my point is that I'm still so affected even physically having kind of side effects of what I went through in school like because it started in school and like I'm, I think if I had had more of a outlet for the bullying and the abuse I would have I, I'd be a bit better today but like I, I don't know it wasn't talked about as much I mean like I feel like now like it's amazing that there are podcasts like this for people who might be going through that right now so that they can find an outlet or they can go get some help or they can just see that it's not right and that they're normal that mm-hmm. whatever like but 
for people who were in school like 10 years ago or whatever or before that it just wasn't normal like now I feel like people understand it's normal to be gay it's normal to be trans whatever like but back then it just wasn't normal and so like it just wasn't talked about and like like I said even like with the teachers it's not even that they were like neutral they were like a lot of them were like anti-LGBT as well so like it just there wasn't help and there wasn't outlets and there wasn't anything for me so yeah to be honest like I would like to give like a a nice answer to that question but I'd rather be honest because I think that's how we can fix the problem is if we're just honest about the problems 100% 100% I I was an only child, so I basically just either had to do it myself. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I, I read, read a lot, and um, was on MSN a lot. Again, showing my age. Oh, so. got MSN. <laughs> yeah. So, right, forgive me if I, I, I get this wrong, but this, I'm just going from your book when reading it, and a lot of the, the the women in that talk about the kind of process of finding out that you're trans, yeah. and. I understand that, well, am I a gay man or um, am I a woman that's gay? Like, what is that, that kind of process? Um, what, what was your process, Charlie? Like, was the, did you identify as a gay man for a while or was, did you know you were trans, you know, from a young age? I did, so it's really weird with me and it's because there was a lack of conversation, but like, so I did know from a young age, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I was clearly, clearly so textbook trans. Like, if I'd grown up now, if I'd grown up even five years ago, like my 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 mum wouldn't we would there would be language for it, but like mm-hmm. so I was four when I was like, Oh, I wish I was a girl, I wish I was a girl, I'd go to bed and pray I was a girl. Oh mum, I wish I was a girl. I was saying I was trans, like saying you're but like back then it was assumed that if you're saying you're a girl, you're gay. And my mum was yeah. fine with that. My mum was like, My mum's an amazing, uh, super accepting person, and like so she, it was she just was fine with the thought of having a gay child. But I what like telling your mum you're a girl doesn't mean you're gay and that's no, no shade on my mum at all but like it's just that there wasn't this cultural conversation there wasn't language mm. around it like I'm from a council estate in Labrador Grove there just there definitely wasn't that cultural conversation happening there so like my, when you ex, when boys expressed femininity it was assumed that they were gay and I was told I was gay like so I because you asked if I identified as gay I never identified as gay I was told I was gay I was told at about seven years old you're gay you're a puff you're a batty boy whatever I did, I've never, I never called myself gay. I was told I was gay. And like, first of all, to be like, to have a sexuality, you have to be sexual. You like, it kind of mm. comes hand in hand. And I'm like, I'm a seven year old. Mm. The last thing I'm thinking about is like doing anything sexual. So like, I, I, I didn't even, I didn't know if I was, I didn't know if but I was told from so young that I was that, that, that I just never even questioned it. Um, and that, so like, I think as well, that kind of stunted my transition. Cause had I not have been told what I was, maybe I would have, explored earlier but I just always assumed I was gay so like I never ever I didn't actually come out as gay I like was just like known as gay like it was just so obvious that I wasn't a straight or cishet person so like I um yeah I never came out as gay but like it was just assumed it was just assumed I wasn't told I was and then so like it wasn't until I saw a trans person that I knew I could be trans because you just didn't see like where did you Mm. where was we didn't have like even now like you can like name on like maybe like two hands or like the trans representation in like mainstream mainstream media you can think of like and that's in like 2021 like in like 2010 and prior to that even Mm. 2005 even like when I was like coming to secondary school there was like Naja on Big Brother in 2005-6 before that there was no one for like 20 years and after that there was known for about 10 years so like there was I, until I saw her and I was just like that I just I finally had a word for like what trans was and I was like oh I think that's what I am and like straight away resonated with it um and yeah I just I kind of I think like I having the word gay like put on me 
um, and just assuming I was gay because I was told I was gay, it meant that like, I just assumed I was because I was told I was, so I didn't explore it. But like when I started exploring it, so once I left um, my all boys school where I was like really persecuted for being LGBT, I went to um, St. Martin's, which is like a really flamboyant, like crazy art school where everyone is gay. Like there's no straight, well, there are some straight boys, but it's mostly gay boys and girls. And like, so when I was around so many gay people, I realized, oh my God, I'm not like you at all. Like I'm not gay. Like obviously I was like them. Like I liked all the same things as them. I like had the same kind of cultural references, but I was like deep down, like inside, we are not the same. Like I am clearly not like I'm just not the same. And like, even to do with like dating, like I just never, like I like had a boyfriend and like, I just was like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Like I don't feel like a man with a man. I feel like a girl. Like just the more like I was around, around it and then started questioning it. I was like, no, do you know what? This isn't me. And then I explored drag. And then I, uh, I kind of realized that drag wasn't even enough for me. And then I just obviously came to the conclusion I was trans. Um, and it was like a very, like, it was an evolution. It wasn't like an overnight bang. It was like, you just, I started presenting more androgynously and it was just, it just felt, I felt the most comfortable I'd ever felt in my life. So I just kind of, yeah, just like, you just, it was kind of, um, yeah, just like a self exploration thing, I guess. I think there's honestly like, I'm not just to kiss your ass a wee bit, but like, I honestly think it's amazing. Like talking about that is like, I, 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 exactly like yourself, the first person I've ever seen that was trans was Nadia on Big Brother. And yeah, I think everyone from our generation. Yeah. You, you think that that's going to be like a big, like, milestone, but then fucking nothing for just, like, yeah, for like 10, 10 years. years. If she was on it in 2005, if you think about it, Laverne Cox was the first kind of new trans person mm-hmm. we heard of after that wave. And that was like 2015, 14, 15 on Orange mm-hmm. is New Black. That's Ten years of what in between those ten? The only thing, do you know what the only thing in between those ten years was? Is Jerry Springer that's a man segments? So even though I kind of had an inkling that I was trans at this point, and my friends can t- recall me, like one of my best friends is a lesbian, and she um, was like, I remember you telling me you were trans at eighteen, and I really don't remember that because I was in such a dark place. But it was that I knew I was trans, but I didn't want to be trans because the only time I saw trans women on TV in that period was when they were literally being beaten up on Jerry Springer, and the audience were clapping because it was like that's a man segments. Who wants to? be trans if that's your if that's what your life is going to be there was no like no positive representation of trans people in the media showing that you could be like successful or like uh beautiful or like clever or whatever or like even most importantly happy like i was like i'd, I'd rather be miserable as a gay man or gay, i wasn't even a man at that point as a boy but like i'd rather be miserable and like in the wrong body than like in the right body but like le- like being laughed at and beaten up in the street which was when i transitioned which was my narrative like that just became my life all of a sudden so like but for a long time i was like i'd much rather just be unhappy but it just got to the point where I was like I was so suicidal and I was just like do you know what if I don't transition I'm gonna die like I, I literally can't do this anymore like as mm-hmm. much as I think it's the easier option it's like it's so much harder on your mental health like it's it's really hard it'd be like a a gay person choosing the easier option of staying in the closet it's like it's it's not a life it's not a life worth living if you're not if you're lying and not being true to yourself and you're not, not you're not living so even if you are alive you're not living so you really might as well be dead if you're not out as gay or as trans it's pointless the reason why i'm involved in national student pride was partially my own hang-ups about being gay but also i witnessed what was happening with trans people and there was like a, a larger visibility but then there was this backlash against it and i was like no i'm not doing this again like i'm not watching this like because i feel it's a it, we're, it's almost similar narrative of what happened in the 80s um, so, so scarily similar and it's like and it, it, the ones that fuck me off the most is these lgbt uh, lgb pricks the alliance yeah. motherfuckers yeah, like, they jumped on me recently 
I just, I've got no time for them because it's like, how short is your fucking memory? Like, you were the ones that were asking for the, the help then, and trans yeah. people were helping you then, but now that, that we've got the time where we're actually talking about these things, that you're going to sit and not support that group? Like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. The thing uh, that really pisses me off about them a lot is that they are so stupid to think that if the people who are taking our rights away because of their campaigning aren't going to turn around and take their rights away next, yeah. you are stupid. Like, because if you think about their massive thing at the moment, it's like the toilet debate thing. That's just a new thing. Is just the government are doing this like investigation at the moment into whether um, about toilet spaces and stuff. And they are literally contemplating putting trans women at, who haven't had surgery, aka me, and mo a lot of trans women into the men's bathroom and they're saying to scrap gender so it's not even like saying use gender neutral bathroom they are saying use the men's bathroom make women go into the men's bathroom and the thing is if you don't think like because if you are let's break this down this is what i always say the reason they're saying this is because we are like a, a threat trans women in the women's bathroom are but they're trying to paint us as like a sexual threat to the women in there um okay so why are gay men allowed in men's bathrooms then I'm not even into women. Like, why am I, like, if you are going to use a narrative, if these people are going to use a narrative that we are a sexual threat, they, and if they win, and they, and the LGBT lines help them win, these, these people take away our rights and chuck trans women like me in a men's bathroom, gay men will be next. Lesbian women will be next. And already, if you think about it, lesbian women especially are being affected by that, tra the trans kind of thing around the bathrooms already because butch lesbian women are being, like, clocked as if they're trans in bathrooms. I've seen so many stories online of women being like, I was chucked out of bathroom where i'm not even trans like i'm fucking i'm a fucking woman i'm a and even mm. when you aren't even lesbian you know you can be butch and be a straight woman like it's just it's good it just is it's madness that these stupid lgb alliance are like oh and I, like i said they they dogpiled on me recently with my documentary and i was just like it just blows my mind that it's coming from within the community and like you said when it's a, a community that has been built on the backs of mm -hmm. like a gay and a tra uh, led our liberation in general as a community, but it was called the Gay Liberation Front, and and just like uh, gay rights, it's built on tra black trans women's backs. Like it's like, what? Why would you throw us under the bus? Mm -hmm. Like madness, madness. But thank you for thank you for saying that, babe. I really really appreciate that. Thank you. So, yeah, thank and it's oh so, so much. It's it's honestly the reason why I I'm not saying that I'm doing anything great or anything like that, but just it, it made it wow. it got me into this because I I was very no against the gay community, but I, I felt very excluded from it. So I, I grew up a, a, always an obese kid. And, and, you know, you see the looks of what a gay man's supposed to look like and gay men would be horrible to me. So I never felt really a part of it. And, um, and then I, I kind of, about two or three years ago, I was like, well, I can either sit here and hate on it and let shit happen to people that I care about, or I can make my voice heard enough so that it can hopefully change in a little bit so it's more proactive acceptance. move yeah. yeah and and so i got involved with student pride and i'm always the one that's like yeah but what about trans people uh and thank you so much and i just i pray please if you are listening to this please 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 do the same like please you don't have to do it on the same level of getting involved with like student pride or like but even if it's just a smaller thing of just like tweeting or posting on instagram or like calling people out about their tweets and posts like it is so important that you don't just let this happen because i promise you and don't even i was going to say because i promise you you'll be next but you shouldn't even be doing it because you might be next you should be doing it because this is wrong point blank period anyway like even if it wasn't gonna it gonna affect you mm -hmm. like you, you shouldn't have to only get involved with uh social causes that might affect you one day no get involved because it's the fucking right thing to do please if you are listening to this please consider lifting lifting your voice up or lifting the voices up of other people who are fighting for the for it's our community we are a community whether these people like it or not we are
you mentioned the documentary. Um, I was going to leave it till later because I wanted to ask you about your, your university, but I think it's a good point. Um, so I, 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 do you want to explain what your documentary is? Because I've all, I, I know what it is, but I think it'd be good for someone like yourself to, to sure. explain what it is. So this is actually the first time I'm talking about it, which is really exciting. So like, it's basically, um, uh, it's called DIY Trans Teens. And it's about how basically, so it's kind of, there's a lot of talk in the media right now about um, young trans people, like trans teenagers, and like, basically trans people in general, um, not just trans teenagers, there's massive long waiting lists. So like, I waited about, two, I think, two and a half years for my first appointment to discuss transitioning. It's gone up to even like, up to five years, you can be waiting now. Three to five years is the kind of average, which is disgraceful for a first appointment to discuss transitioning. And it's also disgraceful when you think about how the narrative in the media is the total opposite. And they paint a picture like, when you come out to your GP as trans, they like get you in for surgery next week. It's literally, you're waiting half a decade for a first appointment to discuss no hormones, uh, uh, nothing, no surgery, just to discuss. Mm. So my documentary is basically breaking down those kind of, um, that narrative and just like meeting the trans teenagers who are having to resort to things like uh, buying drugs online because they're not going to be helped for five years and the effect, like how dangerous it is to be buying these drugs, like where are you buying them from? It's about... Um, it's just, I went around basically the country just meeting the, the trans people who are being affected by these things and just like kind of, um, hopefully just like, it's a way of like the, the public kind of getting um, the truth on the art. And it's not even from a, um, a, a very a biased trans perspective because it's for BBC, like there was a lot of, uh, with the commissioners being like, no, you need to be really like, um, like, I was just the presenter, so I was just being told by my director, like you, we need to put these in, like we know we don't want to talk about like detransitioners, but we have to put it in. So it's very balanced as well. So it's not even like a, like a, a propaganda piece, it's very, much like this is the truth and the truth actually is in our favor because it, it that's we're on the good side of history but like um it's not a biased piece it's literally just like um the truth and so there are uncomfortable things like i meet a detransitioner but even having met the detransitioner like it ends up being a, a really positive uh side of the film because um in the argument around trans teenagers that the people against it, including the LGB alliance will always be like, well, how do they know um, at such a young age? What if you make what if you change your mind, blah, blah, blah. And the detransitioner was basically saying like, um, because the, the whole thing around detransition is there was a big case in the high court where it's like, oh, there's not enough like support for them or whatever. Like it was amazing because we came to the same conclusion that it's what needs to happen is there just needs to be more support, more support for trans teenagers who realize they are trans and like n literally 99% of people who, it's less than 1% of people detransition. So like, support for the people the 99 percent who are trans and who do need help but also support like if there was more support in place so it wasn't just like five years for an appointment it would help the people who aren't trans and who think they are trans and detransition like if there was just more support in general mm. it would be beneficial for all of us and it's not a case of like because these arguments in the media are like well let's just stop everything and that's what has happened like if you the high court just ruled that under 16s can't get any help anymore so it's like this is stupid because you they are going to go and seek help anywhere they're going to go and buy hormones off the, off the internet and stuff so like yeah it's just um it's basically about just like breaking just like showing the truth just showing the truth and just hoping that the public see that like this is wrong this is really 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 wrong i assumed it was that but the first article i saw was from some right-wing rag uh was obviously the the other side of you're telling people like diy ways of being trans obviously that's absolute bullshit but like how did that make you feel that you're opening a topic that it's not been talked about enough and very, very rightly so, but then this is the response from it. Like how how did that I would actually disagree. I think it's still been talked about it enough. I think it's been talked about too much, if anything. If you think about it, trans people, not even just trans teenagers, trans people 
make up less than 1% of the population, why are we being talked about so much? Why is there so much focus on 1% of the population? And to, when there's so much talk about detransitioners as well, detransitioners make up 1% of the 1%. Why is there so much focus on 1% of the 1% of the population? It makes absolutely no sense. Like if there was a statistic, and I wish I had it up now so I could say the actual numbers, but they, um, they did a, a tally of all the articles that just the Times who are really bad with trans stuff. And they, did a, they tallied up all the articles they'd done about trans people in the last year. And not a single one was written by a trans trans person but they were all anti-trans and there was like it was like 324 or something it's like literally almost one a day at this point is all one it is just ridiculous it is ridiculous so mm. like um when i saw the daily mail talking about it i was like really angry mostly because of the use of the word children mm. when i'm meeting 18 like i'm meeting teenagers you have to be 18 to have hormones in the uk on the nhs so to call 18 year olds children and this is this links really nicely to be like just lgbt stuff in general and national uh, student pride because um, it's, a, it's something that's been used against gay people before and like you you draw the parallel earlier where it's like they, like it's so similar to the, the 80s so, so calling 18 year old trans people children but then you can be 15 and join the army and potentially be killed for your country you can be 16 and get married in this country Mm. 16 you can have sex you can have a baby you can join do the lottery you can gamble you can drink you can smoke you can get a tattoo on your face but you know like oh but they might change their mind what if it's the phase about being trans at 18 We're, they're not children you're not calling people who join the army or get married or uh, have sex children that's what annoyed me most about that article is just like the the the, the parallel between how gay people were being talked about in the, the 80s we have to remember as well that trans people were essentially being uh, talked about in that because the, there wasn't like terminology for trans like they would have mm -hmm. thought that a, a, like a woman a, a man in their eyes who's dressed as a woman is just a gay man do you know what I'm saying like in the same way that like uh, with the Stonewall riots and stuff it was kind of like gay liberation it's called the it's gay liberation but it was for trans women as well but like so I think it's important that we, we do understand that when we're talking about like section 28 and stuff as well Although it's talked about as like talking about gay stuff is trans stuff comes under gay stuff in those times anyway yeah black language 100 um i would never thought about it like that but yeah that, yeah i don't know why i would never but i, I only thought about it recently like that it just yeah i, I guess it's I, I, as much as it's like it's an awful experience to go through um you being there and seeing these things like imagine us you know 10 years old watching nadia have a you know random fucking win on Big Brother that goes to nothing, but actually the opposite of now in twenty twenty one, someone at ten years old watching you and say these things in such an eloquent and positive way. Eloquent. Say, <laughs> but, oh my god! I hope ten year olds aren't watching me because I'm not yeah. eloquent at all. No, but like, I mean, same me. Like, I, I I say fuck every second word, but like, it's but putting the facts into an easy digestible way do you know what i mean you're not academic like you're not saying oh i'm back in this and this and this and this and then i'd lose count because but it's not as a personal story from someone that's going through it that's put into actual words that's i like again i'm not trying to be, take the piss or anything but i genuinely think that that helps so many kids that you would never understand and you probably do you get them all messages all the time but like i'm so passionate that yeah. the stuff that especially trans people and especially like uh queer women talking about is so needed because it's so underrepresented and 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 media and mm. and positively represented not just like you know a random character that gets killed in a fucking movie um on a nicer note you went to london college of fashion is that right yeah i want to uh, know all about this because this yeah. is yeah <laughs> Oh, it's actually really underwhelming. It's not Emily in Paris at all. <laughs> oh, 
compared to school coming in, was that like a big like opening for you to be like, oh wow, like this is a wee bit more freer? Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, totally. Like it was literally could not have been. So I actually went to St Martin's, which is like the sister college of Mm -hmm. like there's like five unis in one uni. St Martin's is a bit more like arty, crazy, and then fashion. London College of Fashion is more just like fashion, um, a bit more basic as well, Um, (laughs) which I'll get to because it wasn't perfect. But um, so I basically went from like the most like toxic masculinity, all boys. Catholic, tough, rough school, where I was so persecuted for my femininity and for being LGBT and queer or whatever, to then go in, so literally, like, I remember, like, even my, like, head of year would, like, always be like, this is a fashion college, Charlie, like, ev- all the time. And then when I got into fashion college, I came out and was like, by the way, I go to the best fashion college in the country, Han! Because um, I'd always, like, t- like style my uniform, because I'm like, I'm not going to wear this ugly uniform, so I'd always, like, turn up the colours and, like, put some chain, I'll put a brooch on. <laughs> I was so have like wearing a fucking granny brooch on my fucking school uniform honestly stan but um so you'd always be like this is the fashion college and then i got into fashion college which in comparison was like the most like lgbt friendly um like feminine environment that was just like celebrating me for being the most feminine person like people would like stop me like oh my god can i have your picture like did like just for like an outfit picture i just like it literally could not have been more different so it blew my mind and i was just and actually it did it, it did me bad because st martin's is actually no no offense to anyone who goes to the lcf it's still really lcf is really good but like it's not as good as csm so like i actually didn't get into csm for my degree i did my foundation year there but i didn't get it for my degree because i was just always like hanging around with everyone being everyone's like gay best friend because it was the first time that people accepted me for being LGBT so I was like I'm having the time of my life like just like having a kiki with everyone so like I didn't do any work for like the whole year and then I was like okay I guess I'll go to like the less good college no offense then anyone who goes to LCF but yeah LCF was good like I said it, it was a bit more basic so it's a bit less three thinking like CSM is very like wild and like Art, like arty and like crazy like you would like see crazy things happening every day but then LCF is more like that's like couture and LCF is a bit more like top shop. No offense. I'm gonna get like get told off by LCF for saying this. Um they're gonna take me off like their alumni. It's all personal okay. opinion though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, this you could sue me, but um <laughs> basically um I don't regret going there because I did my degree uh, for my final project. I, I set up nail transphobia, so I wouldn't even be here now if I didn't go there. Um so it's all happened for the best, but it was a bit more basic. And I do remember even like there was a little bits of like it shocked me, but like I remember like some real transphobia in one of my classes once where like someone did like a project about trans people and then they kept like misgendering them while they were presenting and then someone said just call them it and the whole class laughed and I was like and I wasn't out as trans at this point so I was like fucking hell and I was really pissed off I think I stormed out the classroom or something and then everyone realized I was trans but I was just like so it wasn't I think again I think it's really important like when I talk about London like being like kind of like heralded as this like oh you can be whoever you want and da, da, da. it's so easy to be lgbt same with like fashion school but also just the the arts in general it gets a bit more praise than sometimes i think it deserves where it's like no one cares and it's like mm, some people do care and like even like when i do talks now and do my nail transphobia pop-ups the, um i'm usually brought in by like ad agencies and like kind of the arts and stuff i do a lot of talks for the for advertising and i remember one time i came into this place i can't remember what it's called but it's like a really big um one of the biggest advertising agencies. And when I was doing my talk, someone, and actually, funny enough, it was a straight man, but he was like, oh, you don't have to worry about, like, transphobia here. We're all really switched on. We're actually really cool. And I said, you know what? You'd be surprised. I said, like, and I explained my, my analogy. And then later on that day, when I was doing my nail transphobia, after my my talk, I do my little pop-up with my nails. Um, and people come and get their nails done. And I saw guys in the office, like, standing, like, at arm's length. And they were, like, calling me and my workers men. They were like, oh, my God, they're men. They're men. So I'm like, so it's not 
like I was right. Like the man, the straight man who said the question, like he was actually really nice, but like, and he was well and well meaning, but like, don't give too much praise to anything because nothing is perfect. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. nothing is like, you can't be like, this is like 100% like the trans and LGBT friendly. Like, no, it's not like you have these homophobic straight guys in the, or transphobic in the corner, like calling me and my workers men. So, like, it just, you know, I just think it's really important that we don't put anything on a pedestal because nothing's perfect mm. so i used to work for a social media company and uh every every month they get someone in to like do a talk and stuff like that and uh it was just after i started working with uh, student pride so i was like oh like i'd like to do uh, i think it was pride season so i was like can i do a talk and i you know i, I talked about like the history of it where it came from and why it still needed pride and the first question i got after talking about like trans mm. rights and the history of trans yeah, first, very first question was bits. What about the bits? And I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. And they were like, oh, no, no. I was like, no, but it does. Like, I had to sit there and have like, it, she was one of my colleagues. She's a lovely woman, but like, I got really animated and I really like got a bit upset there because I was like, why is that the first thing that you've came from this? Like, why is it talking about genitalia is the first thing that you've came out of all this shit that I've just told you that's, that these, yeah. this community's going through? And the first thing you fucking come to me with is, what about this? Like, and it, do you want to know the answer to your question? Why that's the first thing? It's because the media. It's because the Times are writing three hundred and twenty-four articles the fucking year about trans people in bad ways. And like, if the the public are just like a reflection of them. Like, if I think the the reason why whenever even I'm doing nail transphobia pop-ups, and often the first question anyone asks me is like, "So have you had the surgery?" And I'm like, "All right, babe. Do you want to ask me how my day's going first? But it's because they've been taught by the media, like by the Jerry Springer shows and by the Times now or by whatever. So they think that's an okay question to ask. And there's so much like talk about our genitalia because that's all the fucking the rags talk about and the trash TV shows talk about and what Good Morning Britain talks about on their panels every morning. It's because there's so much, and it's like, how many, I'm sorry, how many times have you heard of um, a trans person in these in, in the bar from doing anything to her? But like, it's out of nowhere. Yeah. It's a, it's a theoretical like th- fear, but my life is not theoretical. I'm here, like I need to, I need to do a wee. So just <laughs> let me do, fucking do a wee in silence. I'm not interested in you. Like I like, it's just mad, it's madness. It's absolute madness, madness. The, the whole um, toilet thing is really, really strange, I think. Because like, I, I, I looked at it, because I was like, right, before I start kicking off about it, because I think it's stupid, like, let me do my research. Has there been anything? Could not find a single thing. Right, and I'm talk, we're talking maybe like one in Norway, maybe like one in California. Like, we're talking yeah. two in the entire yeah. world. Ever, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like, and, and, and then it comes to the obvious thing of like, well, you know, what stops a man just walking and doing the exact same thing? Exactly, yeah. and I'd feel like so much more threatened. You get it, like when you go to a pub or whatever, and you get like a man walk into the women's toilets. It's like, okay, fuck off, leave. Like, yeah. why yeah. are you here? But I think as well, people need to understand because there's like this fit. The the main argument they use is like, oh well, if trans first, okay, the, let's break it down even further. Before that, where do you think trans women have been doing wees? for the whole of our like century. Like we have been here forever. We're not a millennial yeah. thing. Like, you You've not just appeared out nowhere. We've been in the toilet next year, but guess what? When we go into the toilet, we just want to do our wee and get out. We're probably not interested in you, no offense. Like you're probably not that pretty, calm down. But like, it's just madness. But then taking that further, like when they, there's this talk about, well, like trans women shouldn't, and also funny how it's always about trans women and never about trans men. Like they never talk about like trans men in bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right? And also when you think about like, um, this is a tangent, but when you think about how they want 
and put trans women like me and men's bathrooms and the government are considering that now that means that like trans men and i've got most of my trans friends are trans men who are like the most like manly like hairy bulky beefy manly men are gonna be in the women's bathroom if they've not had downstairs surgery like you you would rather that actual man who is a very masculine man, be in the bathroom of you then a trans woman like me. No, what? I just don't understand. But anyway, that was a tangent. But what I was going to say is they're always like, well, like if we let trans women in our bathrooms, then like men might try and come in our bathrooms. Like, yeah, that's a totally separate issue. Men, Mm. that's men. I'm a trans woman. You need to understand the difference of like not conflating trans women with men. Because also guess what? Men are a threat to trans women as well. Like I am stuck trigger warning, but like I have been raped more than one time. Like all my trans friends have pretty much all been raped. We are, we get catcalled in the same way women get catcalled, but guess what? There's also a slap of transphobia after when they realize you're, you're trans as well. So it's actually even heightened in some ways, but like we are hurt by the patriarchy in the same way you are. We are hurt by toxic masculinity in the same way you are because we are not men. So it just is it just is mind-boggling to me that there's like this conflation between like l- if we let trans in our bathrooms, then men are gonna come in as well. If men wanna come in your bathroom, they're like like David just said, they're gonna come in anyway. Like mm-hmm. if a man's gonna go in your bathroom and, and they haven't, like they haven't this whole time, but like if a man's gonna wanna come in your bathroom, they're gonna come in, whether you whether you let trans women in or not, or you want like you are literally also sending trans women to like be beaten up in men's bathrooms. Like you you don't you're worrying about you women, like your certain type of woman being like protected, but then you would rather like sacrifice, literally sacrifice trans women by putting me into a bathroom. Imagine I walk into a bathroom, a men's bathroom. And it's full of like blokey guys. I'm going to be raped. I'm going to be laughed at. I'm going to be beaten up. I might like, it could even be killed. Like if you defend yourself back, like it's like mad that they would rather sacrifice us. That like, and all, I'm not even like, I'm, I'm, that's all I have to say on that. That is absolutely, it's absolutely mind boggling to me. Mind boggling. Mm. It just it, reeks of privilege, don't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Firstly, thanks for saying that. That's like I know that's not. Right, that was just like, like a fucking Friday morning, and I'm like, <laughs> no, murder, I, rape, um, <laughs> blah blah blah. It's, like, it's I, all I, things I, that need to be said. Yeah, I'm always yeah, of the opinion yeah. of like you have to say these things, and there's, if you know if someone like you saying them, then there's you know a thousand other people that's that's been through the same shit. Yeah, um, and it's. Yeah, and it's, I just, I, I, even from a pure empathy point of view, it doesn't matter if, you know, for trans people helping gay people or, or like, just from a sheer empathy point of view, surely we look after the people that are hurting the most and getting the most abuse rather mm. than focusing on something that doesn't really exist. But it, it's the right wing media and it, like, it's, it's straight out of the playbook, you know, find something that doesn't really exist and make it a fear, you know. And also yeah. make it a fear to distract from the real issues in society, like the failings of um, the Tory government with, to, even b- before Corona, like, cause it's funny how like this toilet thing's coming up now, we're all in our houses. Like no one's even using public toilets and they've just launched an investigation, which is getting a lot yeah. of press. Why, why do you care? Why do you care? We're not even using toilets. like. It's just mad. And also the funny thing is, is I didn't even use public toilets. I've never used public toilets. And it's, it kind of stems back to being LGBT. Like, because in school, I never once, I can promise you now on my best friend's, on my best friend's life who, who's passed away, I never once in my seven years at school used a toilet. And there was one day, like in particular, I remember um, I was like, I needed a toilet from before school even started. And I held it the whole 
day and I lived an hour from school as well so factor in getting home for an hour I my, I don't know how I didn't get a bladder infection but honestly like, it's because I was like too nervous to use a, boy, a boy's toilet because I just didn't feel like a boy but my, the, the, the point is I don't know if I even told that story that, made, that adds nothing but basically what I was going to say is trans people most trans people I know don't even use public toilets because we don't feel safe in them so it's funny how like the people who are probably the most I'm we are you are more of a threat to us like it's more scary for a trans woman walking to a bathroom knowing that there might be like women in there who are going to shout at her and threaten her and film her and like harass her we're not doing anything I've there's no examples ever of at least in this country but even in other countries there's like one or two examples but like of trans women being a threat to you in your bathroom so why why are we being made out to be like the bullies or like to be to to be the 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 perpetrators when we we are the if you look at us in society we're like the fucking we're the lowest of the low like trans women are like and then going further than that black trans women we are literally like the scum of we are like the the fucking lowest in the food chain we are like the people who are being laughed at in the streets people who are being harassed like we are why why are we why do you think we like it just makes no sense to me like i just don't understand that lack of like you said empathy the lack of compassion for like mm. people who are having a hard time in their life like it's hard it's really hard and like to then like mm. make our lives even harder when we and are especially not, like, at the moment as well when everybody is so everybody is so so isolated and so down at the same time to bring this up at this very moment and I think as well, it's actually because it gets painted in our head like it's a really big thing. And it's like what most women think. And I would say it's in the minority. Like most women don't think like this. Like I don't, I personally don't know any women in my life. And even in like my extended circles of like family, friends and like people who I'm not even close to and people on my estate where I live, like I don't know anyone like women who think it's actually a very small minority of like really like, like of turfy women who just like are so like consumed in this kind of like, it's almost like, um, what's that word? Like, it's like where they're like kind of made to think this is like such a big thing, like and they're kind of like um, fed like that. Like it's like a propaganda. Your, yeah, it's like it's very that. It's like oh my god, like this is your like it's, it becomes their whole life, and then because they're so loud in the media, it makes it feel like it's like a fifty-fifty like trans people versus women, and it's like no, I'd say it's like most women are actually decent people who know that who actually got their heads switched on as well, and know that we're not a threat. Like mm. we're not men. Like men are the threat. Like. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, madness, 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 madness. Um, I guess we were more positive. Um, so, so I'm just bringing you down all day, Charlie. Sat yeah, thanks day. a lot. <laughs> a horrible weekend now. Yeah. Um, what was it like when you, so you had a shitty experience in school, like what was it like when you kind of like found your tribe? Do you know what I mean? You tell like the people that are kind of getting you through a lot of the stuff that happened, but like, what was that like? You started to get a bit more of a kind of attention for some of the good stuff you're doing. And then, you know, finding your little kind of pocket and your little kind of family. Like, how was that after all the shit at school? Um, if I, again, I'm the most bluntly honest person and I could lie to you, but I'm not even going to lie to you. I don't feel like I have found my tribe in real life, if I'm honest. I'm actually very... And it, again, it, I'd rather talk about it because I think it's really important to talk about the damages of, like, bullying of LGBT people in schools. I... I have always struggled like with like friendships because I've just never because I was so isolated in school I had not a single friend towards the end I would have to like stay there the, they would always make the kids go out of the classrooms like, even like, like basically like and the teachers knew I was so badly bullied that they wouldn't even make me leave they were, they were like you can just stay in the art room Charlie like don't have to go out so I literally couldn't even eat in the canteen or whatever so like I've never had any friends so like being um ostracized because it really was ostracization like for seven years fucks with your head and if we, like, I think it's really important that we don't like gloss over like the effects of like something as serious as that or something as serious of physical abuse for 
uh, seven years or for emotional abuse or like verbal abuse like it's it really does take a toll and like so I haven't even found my tribe yet I really do struggle with loneliness ever like since school like I'm yeah so like but I feel very lucky in that like I have in, like social media like it's down like people uh like might think it sounds a bit like stupid but like for me like I, I do feel like I found my tribe online at least which is really nice um I might some make me sound like a loser but I really couldn't care less I don't me. think that's that makes you a loser at all I don't think and the internet has got anything to do with it because I mean I've got a lot of friends online that I've oh, many <laughs> oh my god what a loser yeah like, you're really sweet babe thank you for that thank no because I mean especially with I mean I do cosplay all that sort of thing so we normally have conventions like at least twice a year but a lot of my friends are all at least scattered over the world so I only know them as online or I've only met them once or twice in person so yeah. I have my very small, like my two or three best friends that I know in real life, but everybody else is online. Yeah. I think it's really important to say that for anyone who is like in the kind of school age who might be listening to this, who um, is struggling with finding their tribe in real life as well, find them online. Like if you can't, maybe you're, you might be lucky to find them in real life one day, hopefully, but like in the meantime, mm-hmm. like social media and places like that are like, a, it can be your haven and they've definitely really been a good place for me like even just with my mental health and stuff to just find people like who yeah just on kind of yeah find my tribe online I guess see I've, I've sort of had the opposite I think I I find must be nice David must be nice <laughs> it's all right I, for some love I was actually going to mean the opposite with social media um oh good yeah, yeah. uh like I I I find it as, as a gay as a gay man when you go into like gay twitter it's oh, it's fucking awful. Like, and it also it always kind of feels like you you're sort of like excluded from something that's quite very samey. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all pictures of people with six packs. It's all like very like image focused led. And I'm a bit like, well, I have you know, like you say, I have issues with my own self that I yeah. don't even want to address when I'm looking at social media, and that it's constantly there having to be. So I I one of the reasons why lockdown has been so hard for me is I recharge by talking to people and I recharge by being around my friends and I've not got that and I'm in the same four worlds and it's like ugh um, and like my two closest friends are back home in Glasgow and I've not seen them. I've seen them like twice in the last 12 months and it's like that's a hard thing as well because it's yeah. like when you go when I kind of go back there it's like I can tell we, we call each other family, like real sad bastards. But like we like we like they're they're my family because if I hope my mum never hears this book, but she's mental. And so is my uh my aunt. like my whole family is just a bit fucking scatty. And, yeah. <laughs> and they're lovely, like I, I love them a lot, but like when actually I had a bit of very stressful. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when I'm right. with my, my friends, I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can chill and be myself. Um, but yeah, I found social media. I've tried to get into social. I've, it's my fucking job, you know. I, so I have to, I have to be on it every day. But I, 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 I just never feel like I'm there yet with it. Like I always feel a bit kind of excluded by it. Which I is why I'm feeling actually. It's, I like. 
pre-transition, I remember the feeling of like, because I thought I was gay and just feeling so different. Like when I would like go like see like all the like again, like you're saying all the six packs and like so sexual and like just like feeling like such a loser compared to these people. It made me feel really small and I didn't feel accepted. So I know that feeling. Maybe you need to like, hang around with the trans girls, babe, even though you're not a trans girl, but like we'll take you in. I'll look after you. I'll bring you into my circle. Take me. Social media me. Is just, yeah, social media is just toxic in general. I don't think I've ever had like a healthy relationship with especially Instagram. Instagram is the worst one, I think, for me. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, so I don't, I don't really oh, know. But, right, yeah, but Instagram to me is just, you're constantly comparing and you're constantly, mm. other pe- if you don't compare, other people will compare for you and put you up against other people. And mm. the people who dominate the platform all look and act and are the same person. Yeah. So... I saw something that said like don't follow I didn't unfollow them but I muted so many people because mm-hmm. it's like friends who and I love that they're not friends but they're like online friends but like I they make me feel bad like a lot of trans girls who are so pretty and I'm like I can't fucking deal with looking at you because you're mm-hmm. so gorgeous and it's a compliment and I love you but it's doing it's fucking out of my head like babe I feel like a pig next to you so like I muted a load of people and I feel so much better and now I only follow like and see the posts of like people who like I don't follow like no offense like because I kind of am one but I'm more of like a social like a social cause one but like you know like um influencers like I don't follow pretty people like or like mm-hmm. I follow funny people I follow meme pages I follow dog pages I follow like activists like me like who are doing important things that I can get a part with and feel good about myself I only follow and then my friends in real life and that's all I follow I refuse to follow like people who are gonna even if it's they're not doing it in a mean way but I don't want to feel bad about myself so I just would encourage anyone listening as well to just like don't feel bad like press that mute button babes like they don't even know like they're gonna know now because they've heard me say this on here but like, uh, Charlie's not, not liked any of my stuff in a very long time. Imagine that was my story in like three years. <laughs> but yeah, like you gotta do what you gotta do for your mental health. And if it, if it makes you feel bad seeing like someone who's like ten times prettier than you, then just don't see them. And then you're gonna think you're ten times prettier. It's just it's a science, babe. Yeah. Um. So the last question we always ask, Charlie. Um. Yeah. Very RuPaul. Like, if there's any time that you could go back to sixteen-year-old Charlie. Is there anything you would de- do differently or any advice that you would give to yourself back then? I wish I could go back and just like stop, tell myself to not be a victim anymore. Cause it, mm-hmm. you can't choose when, what people do to you, but you can choose how you respond and you can choose whether you are like victimized cause of it. And like, whether you mm-hmm. take on that, that kind of title and feeling. And I was like, no, like now I'm like, I can be victimized, but I'll never be a victim. Like I can have people still constantly almost every day i mean in the media obviously with trans stuff but also just in the street in my everyday life people doing me dirty saying things rude calling calling me things behind whispering or laughing or taking photos i will never ever ever let it slide ever again ever again i mean you do have to pick and choose your battles sometimes but like and i wish i could go back and just be like just stop being don't know you need to stand up for yourself because no one else is going to stand up for you you need to be your own hero sort of things mm. I wish I could just go back and tell myself that. That's amazing. I like that. That's a perfect way to end that. Um, before to stop, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, anything you want to mention just before we stop? Um, I guess just the main thing is just I would love to, if everyone could give my documentary a watch. I just really want the public to know the truth and to understand things and just to get involved in this thing. Because like I said to you earlier, David, how much I appreciate and the same with you, Morgan, like, 
allies getting involved like we need we need you on our side because like i said we are one percent of the population we are not going to win this fight alone like we are such a small minority we need some of you on our side to be able to um to fight back and to counterbalance this insane amount of hate that's being thrown upon our one percent population you know Mm. it's like we need you on our side so i would just i guess that's all i want to plug is just please 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 get involved in some way to just like stand up for your trans brothers and sisters um yeah and then i guess it, i might as well plug my instagram while i'm plugging i've got my instagram charlie underscore crag on twitter as well got a book called two my trans sisters um i think that's everything i'm on bumble uh, tinder <laughs> sometimes on grinder if i'm in a bad place <laughs> yeah oh i love Lovely. that perfect thanks so much charlie and Thank you um, for coming on. yeah thanks, guys thanks Bye. Bye. I feel like Charlie is that one mate you'd sit in a pub and chat with for hours when COVID isn't a thing, obviously. We love you, Charlie. (laughs) Next week, we've got podcast Nothing Short of Iconic with UK Drag Race star Cheryl Hole and internet sensation Max Belliede. They discuss successes from Drag Race and TikTok, their coming out stories and the troubles they faced in the limelight. As a trigger warning for next week's episode, we do feature meaningful discussions surrounding the Ariana concert bombings. If you'd like to hear more from us, don't forget to grab your tickets for our week-long event starting April 19th, 2021, where you'll get to hear and see even more of our madness. Join me next week for more queer discussions and straight facts. Bye!